Chapter Nine of Geoffrey the Knight and the Fair Brunissante by Jean Bernard Marie Lafont. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Brunissante and Londine. At the same hour, the ledger's sentence passed. Sir Geoffrey, riding quickly with the maid before the towers of Ogier arrived, warned of his coming by the vassal's cries, who gave him joyful welcome and warm thanks for having set their lord and suzerain free. Ogier mounted quickly on his horse, and with his sons came out to meet the knight. Beside Sir Geoffrey he perceived the maid, guiding with sweeter grace than I can tell her gentle palfrey, but he knew her not, for she was veiled. Descending from his horse as he approached the knight, who eke alighted as he saw him come, he seized his hand, and with a trembling voice, My lord, he said, within my castle come as you did promise me. We will most gladly there a welcome give, albeit my heart is melting with its woe. Since last we two did meet, a monster hath my daughter carried off, and with her all my joys. You did not guard her with sufficient care, Sir Geoffrey mildly said, since she is gone. What now remains to do? It was to be. None can avert his fate. So be consoled, and dry at once your tears. Some days agone, I won a maid in fight, gentle and lovely as a maid can be, and if you will, to you I'll give her up, that she may take the place of her that's lost. Alas, my lord, good Augier replied, where is the damsel or the dame that can compete with her in grace, in gentle manners, gaiety and love? Her like is still unborn, and for my rest of days this world to me can naught, alas, afford of happiness or ease and i do still the contrary affirm and more than that declare that you this damsel shall her equal find in beauty and in love in speaking thus sir geoffrey raised her veil and ogier looking his sweet daughter knew when he had pressed her often in his arms a thousand grateful thanks bestowed on geoffrey and listened to the tale of his exploits with taula and the giant he to the castle led the way the serfs and vassals following in troops. Great was the honour they there showed the knight. The brothers poured the water for his use. The damsel served him with her own fair hands, a roasted peacock, nobly bedecked. And Ogier fain had kept him there a month. But Geoffrey, frankly owning that his heart allured him to Montbrun, set out the morrow morn. Escorted by his host and his two sons, he took his way, musing on Brunissande, when, at the hour of noon, he met her seneschal, just then returned from fair Carlisle, where he had Taula seen, and Melian, and the five hundred knights from bondage freed. He was still seeking, by his dame's command, brave Dovon's son, but half-despaired success. Scarcely, however, did he learn the truth, that Melian's saviour and the weary knight who in the orchard slumbered were the same, when, urging his horse, ne'er did he stop until Montbrun was reached, where travel-soiled he came to Brunissande. "'Where is the knight?' asked she, before the man could e'en unclose his lips. "'Cometh he on? Shall I soon see him here?' "'He follows me, fair lady,' he replied. "'But such his deeds, whereof the saving of our lord from pain and torment is but one, 
that i do think twere well you met the knight and with a hundred damsels formed escort the thought pleased brunisande she orders gave to deck the roads with green to hang rich stuffs and silk damask and cloth of gold upon the castle walls while she herself mounting her palfrey white with all her court and knights and damsels fair went out to meet sir joffrey arrayed most richly in a silken robe with trimmings of pure gold she had upon her blondin tresses placed a gorgeous wreath where peacock's feathers shone while in her hand she bore the choicest flowers from her garden cold no wonder then if joffrey were surprised to see her come thus lovely full of grace and smiling as the queen of the sweet south with courteous words they met and side by side to montbrun's lordly halls together they returned i leave you to surmise the games and joy which at the castle on that day were seen joffrey and brinisande the fair alone nor ate nor oped their lips the lady glanced at joffrey with a sigh and each sweet glance shot through his softened eyes and fell into his heart while joffrey on his side at every moment blushed and through the very marrow of his bones by dart invisible did feel that he was pierced musing of love the livelong night they watched till rosy morning came in her chamber the fair lady and joffrey on his gorgeous couch thought but of the gentle speeches they would make the morrow morn and when once the sun had risen they were up and quickly clad and when mass at length was over side by side they sat them down in the great hall of the castle where they oped their swelling hearts twas brunisande who first the silence broke for dazzled by her beauty joffrey lost in gazing on her face the pretty speeches he had framed o'er night my lord she said in voice of sweetest tone your coming brings us joy and happiness no service could be higher than the one you've rendered us and bless we good king arthur in his nights bless we the land which claims so brave a man and bless we too the lady for whose sake such noble acts are done alas sighed joffrey at this latter phrase no lady cares for me you speak in jest said then fair brunisande your sense and valour raise you up too high for noble lady not to care for you i care perhaps for her not she for me know she at least of this your love for her i cannot say fair lady if she guess but i ne'er told my love no blame then can at least alight on her if you ne'er seek where lies the remedy of that same evil whereof you complain who is in the wrong tis i sweet lady i her greatness curbs me fills me with strange fears i cannot ask her love for ne'er an emperor who trod this earth but by that love were honoured such is the height above all other dames to which she's raised by sovereign grace and wealth what you now say is folloy gallant knight emperors and kings ne'er won in true love's lists a greater prize than brave and courteous man such love holds not to riches noble heart and gentle grace have in his court more power than lands and titles how many folks there are of high descent whose worth is valued highly at a groat how many others rolling in bright gold 
whose value would not buy a coat of mail hide then no longer in your single heart the thought with which it's filled your valour and your deeds give you a claim to match upon this earth with the most fair most high sir geoffrey heaved a sigh and thus much moved replied lady forgive i pray you the avowal which you forsooth are destined now to hear avowal that no torture e'er had drawn but which is due to those sweet words of yours you then are she for whom my heart doth melt she whom i love and fear and i implore she who doth hold the keys of all my joys my pains and who can make of me even at her will foolish or wise a coward or a brave at length had brunison the fair attained the sum of her desire yet she her joy concealed and in a tone of playfulness exclaimed sir geoffrey you are pleased to banter me ne'er can i think i have the power you say a hundred times more power you may believe than i can ever tell that we shall prove right soon she made reply the age is spoiled by wicked usages true courtesy is lost and he who warmly vows that he doth love too oft but utters lies if you full truly wish to have my love i must be wed as well as wooed my lord sir geoffrey cared not you may well believe such offer to refuse he had just vowed by peter and st paul nought upon earth such joy could give to him when a knight entered beating on his shield to announce the coming of the lord of brunisande to horse good knights to horse the lady cried when lords and damsels mounting in hot haste went out to meet their suzerain and thus the cavalcade rode gaily off headed by geoffrey and fair brunisande they saw approach two ladies dressed in black with eyes all red and swimming with fresh tears geoffrey saluted them and then inquired for tidings of lord melian but one of them in an undertone replied and with a sigh that of lord melian nothing did she know she thought but of her woes tell us said geoffrey why you shed these tears since you do wish to know my lord i'll speak the truth a knight misshapen and ill-bred to boot wishes to force on me his odious love and i in grief have left king arthur's court where i have neither found advice nor aid you do astonish me sir geoffrey cried where was sir gawain then ivan the courteous coidis that brave knight tristram and calogrant lancelot du lac eric and caravis and bitter quecks pray where were they i know it not by heaven good my lord nor have i any trust but in sir geoffrey that most famous knight whom now i seek that he may turn my fate and my good rights maintain i will maintain it certes then geoffrey said for i am he the geoffrey whom you seek but i must first conclude a matter here which before all things claims my every thought the mourning lady wept and urged her suit spite of the angry looks of brunisande sir geoffrey would not yield but to montbrun with melian straight returned the lady there giving all cause to think that to her suzerain she bowed her will was for long time entreated she her hand should give to davon's son then they set out for carlyle's gallant court 
and in their train were twice twelve hundred maids and full three thousand knights in brilliant arms the first three days of travel naught occurred but on the fourth having pitched their tents in a green mead balmy with flowers and shut in with trees geoffrey and melian suddenly did hear a voice which help implored in piercing tone the son of Dovon called for horse and arms and would alone go seek this cause of wail he thus arrived upon the borders of a pond of some extent and limpid water where a damsel stood tearing her hair and robe and in her grief her face my lord she cried as geoffrey hastened up have pity for st mary's sake upon a dame who in this pond is drowning she was the best the wisest of her sex geoffrey advanced and there in truth he saw within the waters battling with death a dame who now appeared now slid beneath the wave he soon alighted and his efforts used to save her with the butt-end of his lance but whilst his arm was thus outstretched and he stood by the brink the damsel pushed him with such hearty will at once he toppled in which she perceiving leapt in after him drawn downward by the great weight of his arms sir geoffrey disappeared with those two dames the neighing and the rage of his good horse which pawed the ground and madly bit the earth about the pond announced this dire mischance to melian he hastened there and finding geoffrey drowned he swooned away twas then the rest mong whom the news had flown galloped full speed towards that fatal pond force was required to drag lord melian off for when restored he tried to drown himself and for fair brunisande she by her seneschal was barely saved since geoffrey lost she would not him survive joining her cries to dames and damsels moans and to the lamentations of her lords oh geoffrey geoffrey sobbed she wildly out frank generous knight or powerful at arms who then hath taken thy life some traitor blow hath struck thee by surprise for living man could ne'er have fairly won o geoffrey lone on earth what good am i worthless is life which keeps me far from thee i pray for death which comes not at my call where shall i seek this truant senseless death which will not reunite me to my love there neath the water doth his body lie which calls me waits in vain then suddenly upspringing lost and mad with grief she to the treacherous water wildly flew and twas by dint of strength they dragged her back then she her tresses tore her lovely face till in a swoon her woe and sense were numbed good ogier had her carried to her tent where on her couch the damsels laid her down then he returned and with the other knights around the fatal wave did weep and groan such were their tears their mourning and their cries that the archbishop learnt the fatal news and to console that doleful train proceeded to the mead with wisdom there he preached and in his sermon said my friends the scripture teacheth us that god is master of all things and when he pleaseth can again resume those gifts he hath bestowed 
if then sir geoffrey hath been ta'en by him he as his work might freely call him back and it were sin to find such judgment ill and felony towards our sovereign lord they among you who held this brave knight dear should now to heaven pray he may be saved and should at once give o'er those cries of woe as vain rebuke towards your heavenly king End of chapter 9